We're going to read, turn and read from the scriptures tonight. We've got a Bible near you. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, begin to read at the first verse. Many of you will know the story of Exodus, the story of God's people coming back from exile in Egypt, coming back towards the promised land. It's a story of uh, sin and rebellion, story of disobedience. We haven't reached a bit in the story in Exodus 16 yet, but uh, it's a story of God chastening his people and leaving them to wander in the wilderness because of their disobedience. And we take up the story of the Exodus in chapter 16 at the first verse. Let's hear together what is the word of God. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people will go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumblings against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, said to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came, covered the camp. And the morning was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared in the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. 
Moses said to them, It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each of you is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. And the Israelites did what they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until the morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. We end in the reading in verse 20, and we thank God for his inspired and infallible truth. Let's just take a, a moment to pray together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we've been able to have together tonight to sing your praise, to be led and worshipped by others, to wait upon you. Father, it has been good for our souls. Thank you, Lord. And thank you also for your word, your inspired and infallible truth. And as day by day you feed us with our daily bread, so we pray tonight that you'd feed us with the living bread and break for us the bread of life. And by your Holy Spirit, come and speak to our lives and hearts this evening. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder, are there any people like that in this church? Now, wives, stop looking at your husband. Are there any grumpy old men here? You don't need to put your hands up. But I think we know who you are. But you know, bless in this day and age that we're sexist. I wonder are there any grumpy old women here. You know the kind of people who you meet down the shop and they're always complaining about things. My first church where I first met David Bradley was in a place called Lake Patrick, already Garvin outside Straban, a farming community. And McClarkas session then wasn't a grumpy old man, but he had his moments. He was a farmer. And one Sunday morning at the prayer time before church, he said, would you pray for the harvest of it? If it rains this week, the harvest will be lost. It'll be terrible. And so several people before we went to church that morning prayed for the harvest. And the sun shone, split the trees all week. I went down on Thursday, I think it was, for afternoon tea at four o'clock. They came in for four o'clock tea. And I said, well, John, you couldn't complain this week. Far too warm to work. <laughs> no, I did smile when he said it. Unless all the young people sit there and think to themselves, well, I know some grumpy old men, some grumpy old women. You know, they're grumpy young people. They go through that strange stage, don't they, when they're teenagers? 
where our little princesses and princes become those grumpy teenagers, and you can do anything right for them. And some of them live that way through their whole life, and they never grow out of it. Because you see, many of us simply love to grumble. In one sense, there's no harm, but in another sense, there is. Many of us are the kind of people who always see the glass half empty. And therefore, every Sunday, but particularly on a harvest Thanksgiving Sunday, it's good to come and remember what God has given us. Because all around us in this church today are the signs and symbols of the goodness and grace of God. And I want to turn today back to that chapter in Exodus 16. If you've got a Bible with you, please do open again with me there in that book of Exodus in the 16th chapter. We know the story of Exodus fairly well. God's people were in Egypt, and through his servant Moses, God came and uh, spoke to Pharaoh, and then there were the plagues and the, the symbols. Eventually, Pharaoh let the people go. You see, God had freed his people. That was the context of Exodus. They were in slavery. They were treated literally as slaves. They were abused in that land of Egypt. It started off so well, but then it became terrible. And God had intervened and freed his people. But you see, this picture we have in Exodus is a picture of grumbling. Look, look at verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So they'd been traveling for just about two months. But look at verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And you see what they said? Do you see verse, as it goes on? The Israelites said to them, verse 3, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. And then, you know the way you think back and you forget what it was really like? Look at those words. There we sat round pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, Egypt wasn't like that. But that's what they said. They were quick to forget what God had done for them. And here was a people who God had rescued, who God literally had saved. And here were a people who were suffering in the wilderness because of their own disobedience and their own sin before God. And it was going to get worse when the Ten Commandments were given and Moses would come down there. They were built a golden calf and were worshiping idols. And they were looking for Someone else to blame. This is terrible. Moses and Aaron, it's your fault. It's God's fault. Why did he bring us out of Egypt? Why did he do this to us? And throughout Exodus, throughout the whole book of Exodus, 
We have repeated again and again and again this picture of God's people, people of faith, grumbling and complaining and moaning and groaning. I wonder what if us, I wonder what if you in your life, what about today? How many times today did I grumble about something, if not out loud, inwardly? And grumble about someone. Maybe someone who did for me lots of things, but maybe one thing they didn't do terribly well, and ugh, desperate. You know, sometimes we can get that spirit that God's people had during the Exodus, a spirit of grumbling. And we pull not just ourselves down, but we pull our friends down, we pull our families down, we pull our communities down, because we forget what God has done for us. You know, and that's why we have Harvest Thanksgiving services in churches up and down this island at this time of the year. Yes, to, to acknowledge God's goodness in the harvest. Yes, to remember the hard work of those who work hard in the sowing, the reaping in the harvest. But to remind us first and foremost what the Lord has done for us. You see, it's often about an attitude, isn't it? The glass that's half full or the glass that's half empty. You see, in this church family, I'm sure you get stacks of things to complain about. About your elders, about your minister, about all kinds of things. I'm sure because not one of them is perfect. But let me tell you, I go around lots of churches. And you have so much in this place to thank God for. And this service is one symbol of that. And I know at times life is hard, and I'm not pretending it isn't. God doesn't call us all the time to live on the mountaintop in the sunshine. Sometimes there is a dark valley. And I know it's tough. But when we forget what God has done with us when we become a grumbling people. We poison ourselves. We poison those around us. Today, let it not just be a service or two services where we thank God. But let it be a check to remind ourselves that we shouldn't be focused on what's wrong, but we should be focused on a good and a gracious God. Because you see, if we have here in Exodus 16 a picture of grumbling, 
we also have here in Exodus 16 a picture of grace. Look at the start of verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, having heard the grumbling of the people, what does he say? I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And he goes on and he tells them that, in the, that at night there will be quail come down, there will be meat to eat, and each morning there will be bread to eat, manna from heaven. You see, what was God's response to this grumbling, this ungrateful people, this people who sinned against him and rebelled against him? It was a picture of grace, grace that was undeserved. You see, these people hadn't earned the favor of God. They were people grumbling against God. If only he'd left us in Egypt where we'd all these pots of meat, which is totally untrue. It's your fault, Moses. It's your fault, Aaron. But who were Moses and Aaron? They were the spokespeople of God. It's your fault, God. And yet God did not treat them as their sin deserved. But in undeserved way. He reached out to them with grace and with mercy. It was undeserved and it would be sufficient. He tells them in chapter 16 here that every morning there'll be enough bread for them. Every evening there'll be enough meat for them. They're to gather one omer each. They're to gather for their family. And there'll be enough for everyone. If you have a big family, you'll gather more and there'll be enough. You see, God's response to these ungrateful, grumbling people was unmerited favor. Amazing grace. Undeserved insufficient and you know my friends that's not just a picture but that's the truth of God's response to you and me who deserves his salvation no one for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God who deserved Jesus to go and die on a cross for them. No one. For it was our sin, your sin, my sin, that sent them to the tree. But God is a God of grace and mercy who reaches out to us in a way that is undeserved, in a way that is sufficient to save us, we do not have to do anything through our works, through our service, through our effort to add to that salvation. For God's salvation is complete in Christ. We just have to believe and trust in Jesus. You see, for these people, that picture of grace was undeserved, it was sufficient, but there was a response required. Look at, look at verse 4 again. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And then what does he say? Their people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them and see why the, if they will follow my instructions. You see, every day, they would go to bed with nothing in their tents. But every morning, God would send the manna from above. And as it dried, and the dew of the ground dried, there would be the white flakes of manna from heaven, of bread for the people. And every night, as they went to bed with nothing in their tent, every night, they had to have the faith that God would be true to his word, that he would keep his promise, that in the morning, fresh every morning, there would be manna from heaven. And every morning, did they just have to lie there? No, they trusted God, but they had to have the obedience that acted. They had to get up out of their tents and go out with their bowls and gather the bread that God had given them. And every day, the people would go out and with their bowls would gather just enough bread, an omer for each person in their tent. For God's undeserved and sufficient grace required a response. Faith that trusted and obedience had acted. At the end of the passage we read in, 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 in verse 19, there were a few smart alecks, there's always a few people like that about. And they said, look, we'll have a lie-in tomorrow. Today we'll, we'll gather double the bread we need. You see it there in verse 19? We'll, we'll gather double the bread and we'll keep it in the tent overnight. And the next morning... We can have lie and we'll not have to get up. I know God said just to gather enough, but we know better, don't we? We're educated people, so we'll gather twice as much. We'll keep it in the corner of the tent. And they went to sleep, not trusting God, not believing in his promise to provide fresh bread in the morning with their bread in the back of the tent. And when they woke up, it was rotten. Filled with maggots. You see, it had to be God's way, not their way. They had to, what does the old hymn say? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And it's exactly the same with us. In response to our disobedience, in response to the sin that so often besets us and bullets us down, God has responded with amazing grace and sent his only begotten son to die for people like you and me in a cross so that we who are sinners by nature 
might be sons and daughters by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. What amazing grace that God holds out to us. Tonight, as we are surrounded by the symbols and signs of his physical blessing, what amazing spiritual grace. He reaches out to us. But that grace of God demands a response. <coughs> demands faith that trusts and obedience that acts. You know, I meet many, many fine Presbyterian Protestant people. I talk to some people who've been in their churches all their lives, but they've never come to believe in Jesus. I talked to a man a few weeks ago after a service I'd conducted, a man I'd known for years. And he said to me, Oh, Trevor. The man above will never turn me away. I've tried my best. He told me what he had done in his community, in his church, and a good man he was. But our righteousnesses are filthy rags before a holy God. He'd never bowed the knee. He said that wasn't for him. That was for the mission hall or some other group. He knew better to live without Christ is to die without Christ is to spend eternity without Christ for there's no other name under heaven or earth by which we might be saved than the name of Jesus I wonder tonight, my friend, are you someone who, like these people in Exodus, think you know better? Or are you someone who's trusted in Jesus for salvation and obeyed what God has told you to do? Jesus tells a story of two men who went up a hill to pray. One was a Pharisee who stood with his head looking to heaven. He thanked God for all God had done for him, but he told God about all he had done for God. And he said, look, I'm not like that wretch over there. I'm, I'm a good man, Lord. I've worked for you. Another man, a publican, who simply bowed his head and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus tells us it was that man who went down that mountain justified right with God, not the other man. 
God calls us, yes, to serve him in his church. To use our gifts in his service. To return to him of what he's given to us in our gifts and offerings. God calls us to work for him in the harvest. But first and foremost, he calls us to trust in Jesus, to believe in him. For we become children of God, not through our works, but by the grace of God that demands a response of simple faith. What of you this evening? Surrounded by the gifts of the harvest. You see, God's amazing grace requires the response of a faith that trusts and obedience that acts. If you don't know Jesus, you're a braver man or woman or young people than I am because this life is tough. To live it without Jesus is almost impossible. You don't know Jesus. Flee to him tonight. Trust in him tonight. Surrounded by the symbols of his goodness and grace and mercy, know the grace of God that reaches out to you and calls you to be his children. And if you are a believer tonight, if you're a child of God tonight, having come and thanked God for his gifts in the harvest, don't this week be a grumpy old man or woman. Go and tell other people about the goodness and grace of God and his love in Jesus Christ. Go and tell them of a God who saves, a God who has saved you and has given you every good and perfect gift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this lovely and simple passage of your word. We pray that what has been of man that you would take <coughs> quickly from us tonight. But we pray that your word might be stored up in our hearts. Holy Spirit, you who have inspired this truth, when the voice of man is silent, bring this truth to our lives and hearts so that we might be hearers and doers of your word, changed by you for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.